Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here today. Welcome, whether you are here in the room or online, no matter why or how you're here, we're just glad you're here. Thank you for being here today. So uh, we are talking uh, about a new part of this series. We're still in the same series called The Table, and this series is very, very simple. There's two parts to this series. The first part is that we need to start with an understanding that every person, every one of us, is invited to the table by God. Every one of you is invited to the table by God. You've been given the invitation. The question really for every single person is, have you accepted that? Have you accepted that invitation to the table by God through Jesus? That's the whole reason why Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, is so that you could have a place at the table because sin has to be taken care of. Death has to be taken care of in order for you to be at the table. And so God did that through Jesus. And so the question is, have you accepted that invitation to the table? Now, the whole rest of this series, once you get past that first part, the whole rest of this series is about if you have been to the table, if you've joined him, if you've accepted that invitation to the table, then the question is, what do you do when you're at the table? What do you do when you're at the table? What does God want from you? What does God want for you? What does God want you to do to be about who does he want you to be? right? That's the question that we're answering in this. And so we've talked about like things like being in community. God does not want you to do your faith alone. We've talked about being in the word, that God's word, the Bible is your compass, your guide, your direction for life, that God speaks to you through this. That might seem weird to you, but let me tell you that if you get into this, God will speak to you through this. It's amazing. It's powerful. Get into it. Dig into it. And we talked about being in prayer, that, that prayer is very simply communication with God, both talking with God and listening to God. That's simple what prayer is. Prayer is talking and listening with God. And so we talked about all those things. We talked about taking next steps like baptism, things like that. So today, I'll be honest with you, today's word that we're talking about, it comes with a little bit of baggage, all right? Don't you love words that come with baggage? No, I bet you don't. I don't either, right? But I'll just be honest. This word comes with some baggage. This word, when I give you this word, that we're talking about this word, some of you are going to be like, ooh, you're going to get excited. You've heard this word. You know what this word means. You understand this word. And you're going to be like, ooh, this is great. Some of you, I'm going to be honest, you're going to hear this word and you're going to be like, oh, no. I don't want that word. I don't want to hear about that word. And then some of you, when I say this word, you're going to be like, I don't even know what that word is. I, I've heard of that word maybe, but I don't even really know what this word means or what this word is about. All right. And so uh, this, this word has been misrepresented. It has been misunderstood. It has been misaligned in church culture a lot. But it's a very important, critical aspect of our faith. If we are followers of Christ, this is something that we have to have as part of our life. It is non-negotiable. And that word is evangelism. Ooh, how excited are we now? I just said the word evangelism, right? And, and, and you think of evangelists, you think of evangelism. Now, here's the thing, right? The connotation is right away, I get it. 
Right away, we start thinking weird. We think people come into our door, you know, all kinds. We used to start thinking all kinds of weird things, handing out tracts, right? Uh, we, we have all these connotations. Now, here's the truth. As I said, some of you, you have heard this word. You know this word. You know what this word means. But I'm guessing that even more of us in here, we've maybe heard this word, but we really don't understand this word and we don't know what this word means. We've heard of it being said, or we've heard of like, we've seen movies about an evangelist. You need to get your life straight before or else the hell and all that, yeah, right? And you're like, oh yeah, I've heard of the evangelist, right? And we have these ideas in our head, but a lot of us, we don't know what evangelism is. And so let me just set the record straight before we get into it, right? Because we need to make sure we have the right definition before we go. So here's the definition of evangelism. And this is not a dictionary version. This is Brent's version, okay? But this is basically, very simply, this is what evangelism is. Evangelism is intentionally, it's not an accident. You want to do this, like you, you're doing this on purpose, intentionally, purposefully sharing the good news and the love of Jesus with other people. That's evangelism. Intentionally sharing the good news of Jesus and his love with other people on purpose. It's you intentionally pointing people to the Bible, to God, to Jesus, to salvation. Okay? That's what evangelism is. Now, uh, here's the truth. What I should do is start this sermon by asking the question and answering the question, should we be about evangelism as followers of Christ? I should start, I know, I understand that from a rational, logical perspective, I should start the sermon by answering that question, should you as followers of Christ be evangelizing people? Should you be pointing people to Jesus? Should you be loving people in the way that Jesus said? And let me just tell you, I'm not even going to answer that question because the answer to that question is a resounding and obvious and blatant yes. We have to be evangelists. Not as in you have to tra uh, travel around and preach at revivals, but yes, you need to point people to Jesus. It's not a question. And the reason I'm not going to answer that question is because as I go through today, it's going to be pretty obvious that God and his word declares very clearly that we need to be ready to point people to Jesus in our everyday life. Okay? So, and, and let, me, let me be honest. I get it. Some of you are here and you're like, no, I want you to answer the first question. Should I do it? Because I'd rather not. Right? Because it's scary, right? How many of you love going around and the first thing you do is you start telling people about Jesus? How many of you do that? Probably not. Why? Because we're scared of what we're scared of what they're going to say, how they're going to respond, right? And so what I want to do is I want to focus on how. How do we share the love of Jesus? How do we let, point people to Jesus in our everyday life, all right? So I'm going to focus on three things. This is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot other ways that you can do this, but the, these are definitely three ways that you can, and I would say should, Share the love of Jesus to those around you, all right? Uh, so number one, first way that you can point people to Jesus is through your words, words. As we all know, words are one of the main way that we communicate, right? That's how I'm communicating to you guys. You guys are listening to words being spoken. That's one of the main ways that we communicate. I'm not communicating in a different way. Yeah, I have my hands going. Yes, we have screens going, all that kind of stuff. But the main way that you're hearing and we're communicating right now is through verbal 
words, right? We're through, through words. And so words are powerful. Words can heal. I've seen it. Words can hurt. My guess is you've seen that. Words can change a person for good or bad. Words are powerful. In fact, I love what George Herbert said. A priest and a poet once said, he said, good words are worth much and cost little. That's a good reminder today. Good words are worth much and cost us little. Sometimes the most powerful way to point Jesus to people, or I mean, yeah, to give Jesus to people, is what I was trying to say. The most important way, one of the most powerful ways that we can do that is through words. In fact, we're modeled this all, all over the place through Scripture. So when Jesus ascends to heaven, he leaves the disciples in charge, right? And one of the first things that happens is there's thousands of people gathered with the disciples, and, and they're all kind of there, and they're all kind of looking around like, who's in charge here? Like, what, what should we do here? You know, who's going to lead us here? And Peter realizes, like, it's his turn to step up because Jesus is not physically there. He's there, right? His presence is there, but he has ascended to heaven to prepare a place for them. And so Peter's like, oh man, somebody should say something. I guess that's me, <laughs> right? And so Peter gets up and he gives this impromptu sermon that he hadn't planned. And you know what he does? He simply tells everybody about Jesus. That's what he does. He tells everybody about Jesus, and he jumps in and starts doing that. And it says, by, according to Scripture, in that moment, that 3,000 people accept Christ that day, accept the invitation to the table that day. Isn't that awesome? And they baptize them. Can you imagine how long it would take to baptize 3,000 people? Like, we baptized 13, and it took a while, a couple, you know, three weeks ago. That was 3,000 people. Like, forget lunch. We may not even make it to dinner right? We're not even going to get Sunday night football at that point, right? Like 3,000 people. That must have been amazing. And so he preaches, but he uses his words to tell them about Jesus. The Apostle Paul, same thing. What does he do when he travels around to the towns? The first thing he does is he starts talking to people about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? You need to, you need to know Jesus. Now, here's the thing. I get it. I say the word evangelism, right? I start talking about telling people about Jesus, using your words to share with them about the good news about Christ, and we start getting weird thoughts, right? We start seeing people in ties and shirts coming up to our door, and you guys inside, I know what you're doing. You're like, kids, don't answer the door. Go downstairs. Close the blinds. Don't answer it. Anybody else in here do that? Uh-huh, I bet you have, right? Or somebody walks up to the door and they're all dressed in their nice, you know, whatever, and, and they're thinking they've got a thing, you know, they've got a device or they've got a clipboard or whatever that. You know, what are they there for? They're there to sell you something, and it's probably something you don't need, right? There's just that dynamic, and so immediately, whoop, wall, right? Walls built up. I don't know who you are. We don't even give them the time of day before they, we even open the door. If we open the door, by the way. Some of you, you act like you're not home. You don't even open the door. Ding. Nope, not coming. 
right? And we start getting these weird thoughts, and sometimes we think about it's handing out evangelism tracts about Jesus. I'm not saying that stuff is terrible or horrible or bad. I'm just saying that's not what you have to do. I'm not saying go start going door to door, knock on them and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Can I tell you about him? My guess is you're probably going to get a door in your face. I'm not saying you don't do it. If God tells you to do it, by the way, do it. Because God has something for you and for them. But that's not what it has to look like. A lot of people, we get scared when it comes to evangelism. So let me kind of bring it down to a practical level for a minute. Let me give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of options of how to talk and use your words to share Jesus. Number one, I would say this is one of the most powerful things. We don't tend to use it. Questions. Ask questions. So let me give you a scenario. Let's say that you're at work. I know, we don't go to work anymore, right? We're on Zoom. But if you went to work and you're in the office building, some of you have gone back. I know some of you have done this. But let's say you're at work and you are in your cubicle, you're in your office, and, and, and you overhear maybe a coworker on a, having a conversation with their spouse or somebody in their family. And you can tell, man, it is intense. Like they are struggling with something and they're just kind of having conflict. Or you hear over here like people, you know, crying or somebody sniffling or something like they, they clearly are struggling that day. Now, here's one of two things that you can do. And my guess is, for all of us, maybe we've been in both of these situations. You can do one of two things. You can either ignore that it's happening, right? Put your head down. Some of, some of you put your headphones in real quick so that nobody else sees and be like, oh, I didn't know. Are you struggling today? I never knew that. It's kind of like the person at the door. You could ignore that and kind of act like it doesn't happen or... You can go over and ask them a simple question. Hey, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, this, is, this may be none of my business, but I just overheard and it sounds like maybe it's a rough day. No, no problem if not, but can I help in any way? How can I help? And you know what sometimes is going to happen? They're going to say no. And let me just tell you why they'll say no, because we live in a very prideful culture and we do not like to ask for help. Kind of like several weeks ago when we handed out free gift cards. People could not take them. You know why? Because we're a prideful culture. They believe they're not worthy. And they don't want to act like they, they might need it. And so we don't accept help very quickly at all. And so you might get a no. In fact, I would say it's maybe likely at some point that you might get a no. But you know what also might happen if you ask a question, how can I help? you might get a response that says, this is what's going on. And you know what that'll start? That'll start a conversation. And it'll start the opportunity for you to actually genuinely care about that person and what they're going through. Right? Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you walk in with your Bible into the cubicle and be like, I heard you crying. So I know this guy named Jesus. You need to know him because clearly you're having a bad day. Read this. There you go. Right? Okay. You could do that. I would just say, mm, too soon. Right? Because, why? Here's, here's why I would suggest why. Because they need to trust that you care about them and not just putting Jesus down their throat. 
Ask a question first. Listen. And then be willing to point them to Jesus when the moment, when the time is right. Ask questions. Maybe allow them to ask you questions. It's a great way to point people to Jesus. Another way is to share stories, right? Uh, one thing that we don't employ very, uh, probably often enough, is that you can just share your story. Let me ask you this question. How did you come to Jesus? How did you put your hope and your trust in Jesus? What was your story? Some of you, I know your story of how you came to faith. Some of you have amazing, crazy, and to be honest, like horrific kind of stories that put you in a place where all you had, all you could have was Jesus, right? Tell your story. Let people into your story. They can't argue with your story. Can I tell you some people will try to? <laughs> but it's your story between you and God. Share that. Share what your faith means to you. Share what your church means to you. Share how you gain strength when, when things are hard in life. Share that with people. Share how your faith builds into you. So let me just kind of give an example of this. So when we first moved here, obviously Northridge Church didn't exist. That's why we moved here. We moved here to start Northridge. And so I had to get a job in order to pay the bills, right? There's this thing called life. You know, it happens. And, uh, and so uh, I got this other job at this place where um, this was not the only job, but, but part of the job was we were in this kind of this factory area room piece thing. And, uh, and we had to do this assembly line thing where I would fill or somebody would fill uh, these bags with powder. And then you have to take these bags and seal the bags and then stamp them with the date and the expiration and all kind of stuff. And you know, that's, that's what I did. And uh, so that was my job, part of my job. And so me and this other guy, it was, it was designed for two people to do this job. Somebody would do the filling, somebody would do the sealing and the stamping. And then, you know, we kind of packaged it up and did all this stuff and taped the boxes, all that stuff. So that's what we did. So me and this other guy that worked there, we worked several hours a day, several days a week together packaging this stuff. Well, as you would imagine, especially because it's me, we talked a lot, right? He couldn't, I'm sure he was, I'm sure he probably blessed the day when I said, you know what, uh, so the church is going well, like we've got to shift gears and he's probably like, praise the Lord, I don't have to talk to the pastor anymore, right? I don't know if he did, I don't know if he did or not, but we would spend hours talking and one thing that I found out fairly soon in, into the relationship, probably the first week or two, something like that, is that he was an atheist. And, and, or at most, he said, ah, I kind of consider myself an atheist, don't believe in God. But, you know, he said, maybe I would consider maybe an agnostic that God is real, but not really relevant to my life. And so either way, he was kind of atheist agnostic. And so we would talk all day long as we were packaging this stuff. And usually how the conversations began was he would ask me a question or I would ask him a question, Right. And, um, and those questions would lead to God and faith at times, not all the time. Sometimes we talked about sports. Sometimes we talked about, you know, whatever. We talked about all of life. But every now and then he would ask me a question or I would ask him a question and it would get us in. And I remember actually, uh, I remember this very vividly. I remember when he asked me what I believed about death. 
about what happens when we die. And so uh, I shared with him. Obviously, I didn't have my Bible there. We were like in full suits and gloves and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't have that. But I shared with him what I believed and what the Bible says about eternity. And he's like, okay. And so what was interesting is that went, we went back and forth and back and forth. And we talked about that for quite a long time. And then uh, I, had the, I felt like there was an opportunity and I could ask him this question because it's an intense question. Uh, I said, are you scared of death? Like, are you, do you fear death? Because I said, I, I honestly don't because of what I believe, but I know you don't believe, you believe it's just done, like that's it. And so do you, are you scared of it? And he said, oh, I'm scared of it all the time, every day. We had this conversation and it started with questions. Now, I would love to say to you that I led him to Christ right there as we were packaging powder. <laughs> I didn't. But here's what I know. I know that there were seeds that were planted that will germinate at some point in some way. I don't know how. I don't know why or when. But I just need to be faithful to say and be real with him. Right? And so the question I have before we go to the second one is, are you using your words to lift up, to point people, to promote Jesus. Are you using your words to promote Jesus? If not, why? We need to. We've been given all this by God. How can you promote him? Through your words. All right, the second way is going to come across maybe kind of out of left field. It's going to sound a little bit weird, but the second way we can point people to Jesus is through awareness. Now, I will explain this but one way that we, we, we point people to Jesus is through awareness. So um, what I'm about to say is weird. It's going to sound weird anyway. It's not weird, but it's going to sound weird. It's going to seem weird. And we kind of think it's weird, but it's true. It's absolutely true. God, when you become a follower of Christ, God will create opportunities for you. He will develop opportunities for you to share your faith to share the love of Jesus with people around you. He will set you up. In other words, not in a bad way, but in a good way. He will put you in situations where you're there and a person is there and you're supposed to do something. He will prompt you like this is what you're supposed to do and you will be set up where God says, man, this is mutual blessing. You're going to be blessed by this and this person is going to be blessed by this and this is going to be awesome. Watch what happens. God wants to set you up. He wants to put you in situations, in opportunities, where you are supposed to share your faith, point people to Jesus. Let me give you an example from Scripture, right? Um, so go to Acts chapter 8. If you'd like to follow along, go ahead and turn there if you want to do this on your own phone. That's, that's cool. Acts chapter 8, verse 28 is where I'm going to be. So there's this guy named Philip. And Philip is walking along this road from Jerusalem to Gaza, this region down south of uh, Israel, from Jerusalem to Gaza. He's walking on this road, and at the same time that he's walking, there's this other guy, an Ethiopian eunuch, who serves the queen of Ethiopia, who is riding in a carriage on that same road. Okay? So Philip, follower of Christ, walking on this road, and there's this Ethiopian eunuch who's riding in this carriage, and while he's doing it, he's reading the Bible, of all things. Really, really cool. So we're going to pick up the story there and see what happens. Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 28. Seated in his carriage, this is the Ethiopian man, seated in, his carriage, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud 
from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, notice he started with a question. Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come into, up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Isn't that cool? So, in fact, let me just say this. This is really interesting. Um, this is really cool. I had this moment in first service. All of a sudden, we sing a song about the Lamb of God today. And usually what I do is I look at the worship set, like what worship songs we're going to be singing that day. I usually look at it just to kind of see, you know, just kind of prepare myself and, you know, prepare myself to worship and all that. I didn't do that this week. And what was really cool is, so first service, we sang that next song, that second song about the Lamb of God. And Laura started talking about the Lamb of God. And I'm like, I'm preaching out of Acts chapter 8, which talks about which quotes Isaiah, which is about the Lamb of God, which is Jesus. Isn't it cool how God works things out? Like, we didn't plan this. God did that. The reason I share that story is to ask this question. Why did Philip walk next to the carriage? Did you catch why he did that in the story? Why did Philip move over, go up to the carriage, and walk beside the carriage? It's because God told him to. Go back to verse 29. This is, direct, this is literally quoting directly what verse 29 says. It says, the Holy Spirit, by the way, just so we're clear, that's God. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. In other words, God had put Philip on the road. God had put the Ethiopian on the road. God then moved Philip and said, Philip, you need to walk beside the carriage. God had the Ethiopian eunuch reading out loud from the book of Isaiah. And then guess what happened? Philip heard that and God moved them together. He presented, he set them both up and then Philip took over from there, right? God did all the pre-work, and then God says, Philip, go to it, buddy. Watch what I can do. And Philip begins to tell him about Jesus because he was reading about Jesus, who is the Lamb of God in that moment. What happened was Philip asked a question, and it led to a conversation. The conversation led to a commitment, and the commitment led to a conversion because what I didn't read is the next couple of verses right after this, you know what happens? They come to a, uh, a place where there was water, and the Ethiopian eunuch, he asks Philip, he says, is there any reason why I can't get baptized now? And Philip's like, nope, let's do it. And so they jump out of the carriage. They go into this, who knows what water is there? I don't know. And they go into the water, 
and Philip baptizes him right there. God wants to do great things through your life for other people, but we have to be open to it. We have to be willing. So give you a couple of examples of this from like modern day. Uh, I was just talking with a teacher, a public school teacher, uh, a few days ago, a couple weeks ago maybe, and she was sharing with me how um, she had a student come up to her and ask if she would pray with her. And uh, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure that this student even knows she's a Christian, like that she's a follower of Christ. And this student just asked her to pray with her in school, which, by the way, is not allowed, right? And, uh, and so the teacher was sharing this with me, and she said, I, so I was like, man, I, this is an opportunity. I have to, I have to do this. I can't, I'm not going to say no to the student. And so she, uh, you know, kind of got down with the student, and she prayed for her right there, then and there. And then she immediately went to the administration and told them, it's like, okay, if you hear something, this is what happened. <laughs> I just want you to know ahead of time, like this is what I just did, right? And, and so she, she prayed with this student and then let the administration know. But there are opportunities in life where God will present for us to bring Jesus to people. Let me give you another example. So Laura and I, just the other day, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I think, something like that, a couple of weeks ago, um, Laura and I decided to take a walk over the lunch hour, like right in the middle of the day. Now, let me just tell you, this is weird because we don't typically do that. This is what usually happens. Usually, Laura asks me if I want to go for a walk in the middle of the day around, you know, lunchtime or whatever because she wants to take the dog for a walk. She wants to get the blood flowing, all kind of stuff. What I want to do is I want to come up. I eat for like five to seven minutes or something like that. And then I go back downstairs and I get back to work or get on the phone again or, you know, whatever it is. And, and so that's my typical mode. I do walk with her in the evening, everybody. I sometimes walk with her in the morning. But in the middle of the day, I typically don't do that. But this particular day, for whatever reason, I think I know now why now, um, but we needed to take a walk. And so we started walking through the neighborhood, middle of the day. And uh, while we were walking, we passed by somebody that was mowing their lawn, somebody that we know, a guy that we know. And uh, so Laura and I are walking on the opposite side of the street from him where he's mowing his lawn. And so, you know, we kind of try to catch his eye and we, you know, Laura and I both wave and smile at him and, you know, and he waves back and then, you know, just kind of keeps mowing, right? Because that was the mode that he was in. And I got this very clear prompt from God that something was wrong in his life. It was very clear. Not like sin, but as in something bad had happened in his life recently. I didn't know what. I didn't know, I didn't know how bad. I, I, didn't know, I didn't know any detail. I just, it was clear that something had happened. And uh, I heard this prompt and, and like, you need to go over and see what's wrong. That was the question I got. Go ask what's wrong. And uh, here's, what, here's what I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you that we went over there. Uh, I prayed with him. The clouds parted. The sun shone down. Uh, you know, uh, Michael the angel showed up by himself, mowed his lawn for him, and we walked on, and it was just amazing. That, that's not what happened. You know what happened? Nothing happened, and the reason is because I ignored the prompt. I didn't even walk across the street. I didn't do it. 
I would love as your pastor to say that I didn't do that, but I did. I ignored it. I don't usually do that, but I did this day, just a couple weeks ago. And wouldn't you know it, the very next day, I received a call from that person. And he said, Brent, and I could tell he was getting ready to cry. He was broken up. He said, I want to tell you this is what happened. And he shared it with me. <clears throat> and we talked. We cried over the phone. I prayed with him. But I'm just telling you that because it was obvious that God had prompted me to do something because he needed help and encouragement that day, and I stole it from him. Because I didn't want to take the time, because I was tired, because I kind of rationalized it away and thought, nah, that's weird, I don't, I don't think that's God. Let me just tell you, there are people in your life that they're supposed to be there simply because you're supposed to point them to Jesus. There are situations that are going to happen at work and at school, in your home, in your neighborhood. They're going to happen because God is setting you up so that you can share Jesus with them. Pray for them. Ask them a question about how you can help. When you get those prompts, lean in. Because God, you don't know what God wants to do. But whatever it is, it's going to be good. It's going to be powerful. It might be hard. It's possible I ignored that prompt that day simply because I was tired and I didn't want to do it. I, I, really, I honestly can't say. I didn't have that thought, but I don't know why I didn't. Lean in. Listen to those prompts. Be aware that God wants to give you opportunities in your everyday life to point people to Jesus. The question is, are you willing to lean in and to do that when he prompts you? And he will. Listen for those. Look for those opportunities. All right. And by the way, <clears throat> I will say this. Even though I'm a pastor, I am not immune to messing up and ignoring the prompts that God gives to me. I'm just, I want to be honest with you guys. Okay? Don't, don't ever place me on a pedestal. Just because I get to preach out of God's word every week doesn't mean that I'm perfect and that I never mess up. I struggle like you guys do. I fear how people are going to respond all the time. I do. I'm just telling you that if you're ashamed of Christ, the, the, God's word says this, he will be ashamed of you. That's hard truth today, I know. But I'm just telling you, that's what Scripture says. And so, I'm being honest with you to say that I was a little bit ashamed two weeks ago of Christ in a kind of quieter way, but I need to lean into those prompts when God gives them to me because I don't want to be ashamed of Christ. We've got a culture right now that tells us that being clear about Jesus is offensive. Let me just say, if God prompts you to be overt, don't try to break the law, don't try to stick it to the man or all kind of stuff and be like, my pastor told me. 
right? No. But if God prompts you to do something, do it, regardless of our culture. There's blessing there, and God wants to use you. All right. Third one. The third way that we need to point other people to Jesus is through our example. Through our example. We've got to live our faith out loud, right? We can't hide Jesus. We can't put Jesus on the shelf. We can't put our Bible on our nightstand and leave it there and never let anybody know that we adhere to this, that we read this, that we love this, that we try to follow this. It's got to be out loud how you interact, how you treat people, how you talk to people, how you talk about people, hello, right? All of those things matter. How we live, our example, show people that your words and your actions line up, that they're the same, right? And oh, man, I had, I don't know, there's like a hundred verses that talk about this. Let me give you two, all right? Philippians 1.27 says this. It says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, members of the table. You're at the table, good, so live like it conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. In other words, we've got to live our faith out loud in front of others. It was not made. Jesus did not die on the cross and, and forgive us of our sins and save us from death in order for us to hide it to cover it up. Galatians 2.20 says this. It says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Take note of that phrase. Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, what this is saying is Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus, Jesus is in you, is with you everywhere you go. Some of you, that might freak you out, but I'm just telling you the truth. If you've accepted Jesus, you have Jesus in you. This body, it's just a shell. Your body is a shell. It's just a carrying case for who you really are, your soul. And Jesus is with you and in you everywhere you go. Why do I say that? Because we need to allow that light to shine everywhere we go. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about. We live our lives overtly for Jesus. We don't have to. And by the way, let me just say this. You don't have to be weird about it, right? You don't have to be weird about it. I'm not saying like maybe some of you, you need to ta start taking your Bible to work. I know we're on Zoom a lot now. I get it, all right? Put it up behind you in your Zoom. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That'd be weird, right? But what I'm not saying is I'm not saying go to work and like may maybe, maybe you read God's word during your lunch hour, just, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, and you're not like... Don't get a stand that goes on top of your monitor and read your Bible like this in the office. Hey, everybody, I'm reading God's Word during my lunch hour because my pastor told me to. Right? Don't be dumb. Right? Don't be weird about it. You don't need to be like, read it out loud. Thou shalt go to thy, you know, whatever. No. Just read it. And if somebody catches you, one of your coworkers catches you reading it because they come to ask you a question, 
It's awesome. We don't need to throw Jesus down people's throats, but we do definitely not need to hide him. We need to be real. Maybe just inviting that person to church. Let me give you an example of this. Um, <clears throat> so you guys have heard me tell a part of this story anyway. Um, but the summer before I graduated from college, me and four of my uh, other good college buddies, guy friends, uh, the five of us, we decided we want to spend the summer together in Yellowstone National Park. And so we applied to work there. They have like temporary seasonal, uh, you know, a, uh, employment and all that stuff. And so we decided, hey, we're going to go work in Yellowstone National Park together. And so we, we applied and we got it. So all five of us lived in Yellowstone National Park for the whole summer, worked there. It was amazing. By the way, just side note, one of the best decisions I've ever made in life. I will say that. That was, that was a good one, right? But while we were there, there was this guy named Greg. And Greg was all by himself. He wasn't with a group of people like we were. He came all by himself. Uh, he, lived, he was from the southwest United States. He came all the way up to Yellowstone National Park just to work there that summer. He was all by himself, didn't know anybody, and he came in. And so Greg and, you know, me and the group of my friends, we became friends with Greg. We started to kind of get to know him. He asked if he could go a hike, on a hike with us one time, or maybe we asked him. I think we asked him. I don't know. Either way, we kind of started doing things together after work and all that stuff. We'd go hike. We'd go play Frisbee golf somewhere in the mountains, you know. This is like where you pick a tree, right, and you throw the Frisbee to it and you kind of do that. And so we had a lot of fun together. And, and so we got to know him and got to be friends with him. And, and so we just kind of started doing life together and became pretty close with Greg. And um, and we didn't, so there was no time where we started to jam Jesus down his throat, right? We, we, didn't, we didn't sit Greg down after the first couple of weeks and be like, okay, Greg, so if we're going to be friends, you need to know Jesus. And this is how you do that. So let's pray together. You need to accept him. We'll, we'll baptize you in one of the hot springs. And I'm just kidding, that would be illegal. <laughs> It'd be bad. Right? No, we didn't do that. We didn't jam Jesus down his throat. But here's what we did do. We lived very clearly the way that we had always lived. And so there were times, like, just I'll give you one example. There were times when, you know, we lived in, like, dorm dormitory type things, workers' quarters, and he would come you know, up, up, the, up to the second floor, I think is where we lived. He'd come up to the second floor and come down to our room, and he'd come in and ask what we were doing, like 9, 10 o'clock at night, you know, whatever. We'd just be hanging out, kind of sitting in our room, whatever, after dark, and, and he'd come sit and hang out, and every now and then, not always, but every now and then, one or maybe two of us would be reading the Bible, you know, doing our devotions that night, kind of before we you know, went to bed and all kind of stuff. And, uh, and then he'd show up and we'd have our Bibles open, right? He'd just kind of come in and be like, come on in. And then what would we do? Here's what I did. You know, I would shove the Bible and say, hey, Greg, since you're here, would you read this out loud? Here, in fact, let me find the right passage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This one talks about Jesus. Here you go. No, I didn't do that. You know what we did? We just set our Bible aside. We'd leave it there. We didn't hide it. We didn't tuck it under the pillow. Oh, quick. We'd just leave it, just set it aside, and we'd hang out with Greg. One, two, three, sometimes pretty late. We'd be talking, and then when he'd go back to his room, we'd finish reading and go to sleep. We just lived clearly. We're not going to hide who we are. Yeah, Jesus is everything to us. And you know what happened? This is really cool. One morning, Greg, right before work, he busts into our room. He just, 
He just threw, usually he would knock, you know, but this, is, this morning he like threw the door open, just bowled in. We were still getting ready for work and everything and, you know, brushing teeth, all kinds of stuff. And he just bursts in and he is just beaming. You can tell he's excited about something. And he's smiling from ear to ear and he's all the kind of, and we're like, Greg, good morning. <laughs> like, or kind of like, good morning. <laughs> And, he's, and we're like, what? what's going on? He's like, guys, guess what? You will never believe what I did last night. He said, last night I gave my life to Jesus. We're like, what? Really? What? We're trying not to be totally shocked, but we're like, we're shocked. And we're like, Greg, tell us what happened. And he's like, well, I stole Trevor's Bible. You know, Trevor's one of our college buddies. Ironic that he stole it, right? And he, stole, he, he literally, he snuck the Bible out of my buddy Trevor's room, and he took it to his own room that night, the night before, and he just started reading Scripture. He just started reading God's Word, and he realized God spoke to him, and he realized he needed to give his life to Jesus. So he accepted Christ that night, and he came in and told us about it. Now, this is what's really cool. The rest of the summer, we really dug in with him and, and, and kind of shared with, you know, our faith with him and kind of led him along a little bit more, and, and he just started to grow in his faith. And then at the end of the summer, his family, Greg's family, came all the way from the southwest United States up to visit him at Yellowstone, and we went to church together. So this whole summer, we would drive out of Yellowstone National Park to this little town called West Yellowstone, right on the western gate, and uh, there was this pastor, I love it, uh, I can see him in, in, my, in my mind, uh, he had this white stringy beard. So don't think like Santa Claus beard, think like white stringy beard, and it hung all the way down almost to his belt buckle. And he would stand up behind this big podium in this little church and preach and everything. It, it just, it was just, he was awesome. And, and we'd go to church every Sunday. Well, we, we all went to church that Sunday, and we took Greg to church, and, and he had been coming to church with us since he accepted Christ uh, early, you know, middle of the summer. And then his whole family came, and then we went to lunch. And this is what his parents said to us at lunch. I love this. It tells us why we were in Yellowstone. We wanted to go to Yellowstone to have fun have a job that we could be in the mountains on and stuff. And that was awesome. But Greg's parents said, you have no idea how long we've been praying for somebody to lead Greg to Jesus. And they were, I mean, they were sharing it with emotion and I mean, they've been praying for so long and Greg was there at the table. He heard all this. And then at the end of the lunch, uh, me and uh, my buddies, we had gathered some money together and we had purchased a, a brand new Bible for Greg. So before he left that summer, he had a Bible to take home with him. And last I heard, this was several years ago, but last I heard, uh, Greg was back in his hometown. And by the way, he, he is from the Navajo tribe. Really cool. And so he, he went back home to his community, to the reservation there, and he started driving a bus for the local church and he would go around and he would pick up everybody that he could possibly get to come into the bus with him and go to church with him. And he said before he left that summer, and he, and he did this, because we checked in with him and, you know, see how things were going. But he said, my, most of my family and my community are completely destroyed with alcoholism. And he said, I'm going to try to change that. I know Jesus can change that. And so ever since, he's been working to bring people to church and to change this, this direction of alcoholism in his area. How powerful is that? That is what God calls you and I to do. 
yes, to join him at the table, but then to make sure that we are living in such a way with our words and our actions to bring other people to the table with us. So that's the question I have for you this morning. Are you sharing Jesus with both your words and your actions? If not, what's holding you back? Figure it out and start doing it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving us your forgiveness, for giving us your love. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us your peace. Lord, you bring us grace. You bring us joy. You bring us forgiveness. You bring us freedom. You bring us salvation. God, you've brought us so many things because you've, ex you've invited us to accept your invitation to the table. And if we've done that, now is when the work begins. Now is when we live out loud. Now is when you did not give us these things to hoard them, to hold on to them, to keep them secret or private. You gave us these things not only to bless our lives, but to bless lives of the people around us. God, help us to be aware. Help us to be cognizant of the things that you're doing, that you're setting us up, that you're putting people into our lives, that you're setting us into situ situations where we can be the light. You say in your word, nobody puts a light out on a stand and then covers it with a basket. No, we put a light out so that everybody can see. Help us to light the way so everyone can see who you are who we are with you, and that we have you with us. Lord, help us not to be scared because our culture says that it's offensive to share you. God, this country will not go well if they abandon you. And so help us not to abandon you. Help us to be clear and overt and out loud about our faith in you. We don't have to be confrontational. We don't have to be weird. We just have to be real. Help us to be real, to point people to you, Jesus. We pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we